Some Christians are passionate about studying the end times. Others are indifferent. Most are somewhere in between. Where do you fit in? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why believers should learn as much as possible about the events of Christ's return, even if the world says otherwise. Listen as David introduces his important message, Don't Let Society Beguile You. And thank you for joining us. We're coming to the end of the March uh, calendar. And that always means to me that I need to double down on making sure you know what the resource for the month is, in case you haven't heard me talking about this book that we're making available. The longest, largest, I think heaviest book, 463 pages. It's a Thomas Nelson release, and it's probably doing better than most any of the books I've written over the last several years. This large book is on a lot of uh, bestsellers lists, and people are using it in classrooms and seminaries, and they're going through the book and studying prophecy. That's a wonderful thing. And I want to give you the opportunity to get this book for a gift of any size to turning point between now and the end of the month. We just have two days left after today, so don't wait until the last hour. Send your gift, write a note, let us know if Turning Point's helping you in any way, encouraging you, and uh, then be sure in your letter that you ask for the book. In your letter, say, please send me the book of signs, and it will be on its way to you as soon as we get your request. Thank you so much for being a part of Turning Point. I want to remind you also that the study guides for this series and the CD package that goes with it are available from davidjeremiah.org. That's our website. Well, here we go. Matthew chapter 24. Don't let society beguile you. Today, I want to talk with you about this particular warning from our Lord. Don't let society beguile you. Beguile is a good Halloween word. Don't be bewitched by the culture in which you live. And we're going to talk about this as we examine some truth from Matthew chapter 24. Today we live in a time when many folks believe that to discuss anything about the return of Christ is so dated and so immaterial to what's going on around us that only the fringe element fundamentalist preachers ever deal with it. I have to report to you that it has not always been that way. The coming again of Christ has been in the center stage of most Bible preaching churches throughout history. In fact, it has been also in the minds of many of the leaders who aren't even Christians in our society. Before we had computer typesetting years ago, in most of the newspaper composing rooms, there were all sizes of type in all of the different type drawers to set up the newspaper. And I remember as a boy going to some of the newspaper offices where my father would take ads for the church he pastored and seeing them set the type for the newspapers. Each page had to be laboriously set up by hand and then read and the letters were moved and they were in and out of tracks and there were spacers and there were all different sizes of type for each of the newspapers. In fact, there was one particular kind of type, a giant size type that was used to announce earth shattering events such as the declaration of war or the assassination of a president. 
And the newspaper offices called that type second coming type. That was the terminology that was used to describe it. Because they all said they had that type reserved to announce the second coming of Christ when it happened. And some newspapers, and I've actually seen copies of this, have actually printed the first edition that would go to press after the rapture or the second coming, however they happen to figure this out in their own thought process. I guarantee you that when the Lord returns and takes to himself those who belong to him, the next day there will be some giant headlines in papers throughout the world. Unfortunately, what was giant headline type in the generation ago has turned out to be small type in the minds and hearts of many of the people of God even today. The late A.W. Tozer, who was a prophet in his time, perhaps even before his time, wrote about what he called the decline of apocalyptic expectation. He said he felt believers were forgetting about the importance of Christ's eminent return. He said a short generation ago, there was a feeling among gospel Christians that the end of the age was near and many were breathless with anticipation of a new world order about to emerge. But something has happened. In recent years, he said, churches have forgotten about this truth. Christians would rather be involved in more relevant topics than talking about the future. And they have become so enmeshed in the world system that there's hardly a difference between them. And so we've taken the topics of the world and replaced the topics of God's word. There are many today that I started out with in the ministry who regularly would teach and preach the prophetic word of God who never touch it anymore. And have actually come and said to me, it's the most irrelevant thing. If I named some of these people, you would be shocked at their prominence in Christian circles. One man whom I greatly respect as a student of the word of God said, I just have decided to leave the prophetic themes alone. There's too much controversy and it really doesn't matter today. Well, my friend, if you believe that, you only believe it because you have determined to ignore a great and huge body of truth. I did a little homework on that sort of to set the stage for today's message. Did you know that both the Old and the New Testament are filled with promises of the second coming of Christ? In the Old Testament alone, there are 1,845 references in a total of 17 Old Testament books which give it prominence, the second coming of Christ. When you come to the New Testament, There are a total of 216 chapters in the New Testament scriptures, and there are 318 references to the second coming, or one out of every 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to the second coming of Christ. The only three that do not are the book of Galatians, which does not directly refer to it, but infers it, and two books that were written personally to individuals where there would not normally be a reference to that. So you look at all of this and you wonder, where do people get the idea that this is superfluous material, that it is fringe area stuff? And let's stay to the core. Let me tell you something. For every one reference in the Bible to the first coming of Christ, there are eight references to the second coming of Christ. So how do I, as a preacher of the gospel, ignore such a vast amount of material? 
Do I listen to the voices of the culture today who say, stay in the middle of the road, don't get into anything controversial, talk about how to build strong families, amen. Talk about how to grow great churches, amen. Motivate people so when they leave, they feel great as they go back out into the world. I'm all for that. But first and foremost, I have a mandate from Almighty God. My mandate doesn't come from the culture. It doesn't come from the think tank people. It comes from this book. And if I open this book to preach it, and as I start to teach the New Testament, one out of every 30 verses refers to an issue or a topic, I better get serious about that. In fact, I better be absolutely certain I don't neglect what God has told us not to neglect. In Matthew chapter 24, the Lord was asked some questions by his disciples. They wanted to know about the future. They'd obviously heard the Lord refer to it. They'd read the Old Testament prophets. They were curious as we might expect. And the last question they asked him was, Lord, when is this gonna happen? That's the question everybody wants to know. That's why all these books are hitting the markets. Everybody's reading and writing about when is it gonna happen? Well, the Lord Jesus answered them, but he kind of answered them without ever giving them the answer they wanted. They wanted specific day, time, hour of the day. He said a couple of things that we need to remember. First of all, he said it would be at an unknown day and an unknown hour. In other words, he said, you're not gonna get a calendar date out of me. Not gonna happen. He said that not only was it an unknown day and hour, but it would not be possible to discern that date, no matter how much research they did. So don't waste your time trying to figure out what the date. Don't waste your time trying to set the date. Verse 42 of Matthew 24 says that we are to watch because we do not know what hour the Lord is coming. Verse 44, remember, said the same thing. Son of man is coming at an hour you cannot expect. Verse 50, the same thing. Master, that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour he's not aware of. 25, 13, the same thing. Watch therefore, you don't know the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I hope we settle forever any of the ideas people have around here that you can know the day when Jesus is coming back. When you hear somebody say that, you can pretty much discount anything else they're gonna say because they don't know. We learned also that the angels don't know. They hover around the presence of God. They don't know the day nor the hour. And the Son of Man, the Son of God, when he was on this earth, he did not know because he had voluntarily and willingly not taken that information to himself. So we learn from the book of Matthew that we cannot know the day nor the hour. And Jesus, in this section of scripture, addresses the people who are going to be alive during the generation of the tribulation, but he reminds us that believers today need to be prepared. The same warnings that are given in Matthew 24 about watching and being prepared are transferable concepts into our culture as we look for the rapture of the church. When Paul was speaking to the first generation Christians in his letter called 1 Corinthians, he commended them that they came short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminded the Philippian believers that their citizenship was in heaven, which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
When he wrote to the Hebrews, he told them that whenever they got together, they were to love and do good deeds and not forsake their assembling as they awaited for the day. Once again, he referred to the coming of our Lord. In the book of James, which continues the theme throughout the New Testament, James said, be patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. First Peter chapter four, verse seven, we're told the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. First John 2.18 says, children, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen from this. We know that it is the last hour. Listen, I'm just giving you little samples from all through the New Testament, from the beginning all the way through to the end. And you get to the book of Revelation and the very last thing that is recorded in the word of God from the lips of the Lord Jesus recorded of him. He says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Now, I just want you to know, men and women, this isn't something I made up. This isn't just for apocalyptic interest. This isn't just sensationalism. This is from the word of God. And it's all about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. And one of the missing dimensions in the church of Jesus Christ, as I view it today, is this has been moved out of the center of our belief system and pushed out to the periphery with the idea in mind that it is no longer relevant to the major issues and problems that we face today. My friend, there is no more relevant doctrine to what we face in our generation than this truth. Soon and very soon, we're gonna stand before the Lord and give an account for the things done in the flesh. And we better believe that. If we don't believe that, we will not live the way we ought to live. So as our Lord is teaching his disciples, he is teaching them to take this seriously. And I want us to look at these verses that are before us today, just as quickly as possible, and notice three attitudes that Jesus warned us against. Attitudes that are easy for us to assume as we are believers today in this generation. First of all, he warns against a cavalier attitude. Somebody said, what's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know and I don't care. That's the way a lot of people are, you know. That's the way they feel about the things of the future. But Jesus warned them, and he warned them as he so effectively often did through telling them a story or using a parable from the Old Testament. He says in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now let's just stop right there for a moment. What is he saying? I've heard all kinds of messages on this particular passage. In fact, uh, if you go back to Genesis chapter six and verse five where it describes the world before the flood, there's a little verse that captures it says, the Lord looked down and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Does that sound like it could be written over our society today? 
I mean, that's a pretty good verse, isn't it, to describe the kinds of things we're dealing with in the evil culture in which we live. And I'm not a doomsday prophet. I mean, I enjoy the good world that the Lord has given us, but I see that wickedness is getting more and more intense. And to the point where you read some stuff in the paper and you wonder who in the world could have ever have conceived of that? Who would have thought that up? It says here that in the days before the flood, that the wickedness of man was great and every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. That's the where it was. That's where we're headed without a major revival in this culture. But having said that, that is not what Jesus was talking about when he said that they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I've heard preachers preach, you see how evil that culture was? They were eating like gluttons and they were drinking themselves under the table. I don't know what they do with the next two phrases, marrying and giving in marriage. Because that sounds pretty wholesome to me. What Jesus was saying, now watch this, was, as it was in the day before the flood, before the flood, the culture was simply doing what they normally did. They would eat and drink. They were marrying and giving in marriage. And they didn't change anything. It was life as usual. Here was old man Noah out there preaching his heart out. There's gonna be rain. That's the only message he had. And he preached it every day for 120 years. And everybody thought the man was a kook, that he was nuts. And they would say, what do you mean? We don't even know what rain is because before that time it had never rained on planet earth. Did you know that? There had been vapors, but there never been, nobody, you know, do you remember the old Flip Wilson thing? It's gonna rain. (laughs) What's rain? And while he's preaching the rain message, he's building this thing in his front yard. I mean, huge thing. Looked like a hotel. And he's walking around preaching for 120 years. You better get right. Judgment's gonna come. And what did the people do? They just kept eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, doing what they always did, never changed a thing. Didn't make any impact on them at all. My friend, that is the way I view most Christians today who listen to prophetic preaching. Well, you know, Jeremiah's into the prophetic theme now, you know, he's probably going to write another book. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what I, so, you know, we'll come hear him out. And then if we miss a Sunday, we'll get it when he comes out, you know, (laughs) and there's no real seriousness about it. My friend, I want to tell you something. We cannot afford a cavalier attitude about the things the Lord has said concerning his coming. He has told us in his word that he is coming back and that we better be right with him. We better know him personally when he comes back. And then it says here, when he comes back, there's going to be a certain thing that happens. It says there are going to be some people who are taken, some people who are left. Now, he's talking here about the second coming. And I want to make this very clear. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, in the original context of that passage in Matthew 24, it's exactly the reverse of what we think. The one who's taken is taken in judgment, and the one who's left is left to go into the kingdom. 
But isn't that an apropos picture of the way it's going to be in the rapture too? You know, people are going to be, all of a sudden, the Lord's going to come back and, and folks are going to be missing. I don't want to be smart eloquently about this. Some churches won't miss a beat. But a lot of churches are going to have a lot of empty pews that next Sunday. Because God's people are going to be gone. And Jesus said, whatever you do, don't get cavalier about it. You see, we've been talking about the rapture all my life. I've been going to prophetic conferences. My dad preached on prophecy. I remember evangelistic crusades. They never had an evangelistic crusade. One night, it was kind of like rapture night. Second coming of Christ. And you brought all your friends and Jack Van Impey or somebody get up and preach on the second coming of Christ. And people would get saved. Young people would get saved. We've had that around us. And you know what? We've gotten so cavalier about it. The countless number of churches now never hear a prophetic sermon throughout the whole life of their church experience. Jesus said, you better be careful because it's going to be just like it was before the flood. And then there was a day, remember. Oh man, no, he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's going to rain. And then one day somebody said, what was that? What was what? Some hit me on the shoulder. It's water. And here comes another one. And it started and they'd never seen it before. It had never been like that before in the history of the world. By this time, Noah had gathered all his family into the ark and the door had been shut. Can I just say something to you? He preached for 120 years and not one single person outside of his own family believed. And then the raindrops became huge streams of water and the water began to collect and everybody ran toward the ark and you can just imagine knocking on the door I should have believed Noah let me in it's too late and the flood came and it covered the whole earth and destruction came upon creation and the Lord Jesus said please please my disciples hear me don't be like the generation before the flood Don't be cavalier. And then he gave another illustration, and I'm going to have to do this quickly. He said, not only don't be cavalier, but don't be careless. You know, it's possible to be careless. He said in verse 43 and 44, but know this, if the master of the house had known what hour, he's just using a little story now, Jesus is, what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Hmm. Well, that's part one. Uh, We'll finish up this message tomorrow here on Turning Point. I hope you will be with us when we do that. Then we also are just trying to beat this drum as hard as we can because we want you to get this book before it's too late to get the book. And uh, after I say the final goodbye today, there's two days left for you to order the book, the Book of Signs. And um, when you order the book, we'll respond to you. And um, I know that you will be blessed by having this resource in your library. It's kind of one of those books that I know will be turned to many times, especially because it's so highly indexed. There's a whole lot of information in this 463-page book, but information isn't helpful if you don't know how to get it. So the index is critical, and uh, I know you'll use it over and over again. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. 
I'm so thrilled to be able to put this in your hands. Thank you for your investment in Turning Point. When you give, it just goes right through our hands into radio stations and production, and the gospel gets further uh, spread, and, and I'm thrilled about it. And I thank you for your partnership in helping us. So tomorrow's part two of Don't Let Society Beguile You. And then uh, our final message for the month is on the rapture, and a good way to finish up the month of March. I'm sure you notice uh, during these three months that our magazine and much of our literature is wrapped around the prophetic theme. There's some really interesting things, including a, a very special chart that's available to you. You can just ask for it when you call or write. It's the Revelation Prophecy Chart, full color, and you just spread this thing out. It takes you through this book, shows you how everything fits together. And we have mailed literally thousands of these around the world. If you don't have one, I hope you'll ask for it. Uh, You don't have to send any money or make any pledges or anything. Just say, please send me the chart. It will come to you uh, quickly. And I know that it's something else you'll use as you sort through these prophetic themes. Have a great day. See you next time right here on Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's informative book, The Book of Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the prophetic series, Signs, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. 
Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Jesus told his disciples, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. That sounds odd. Why wouldn't we want everyone to speak well of us and to like us? Well, the rest of Jesus' words make his meaning more clear. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Jesus was saying that false prophets in the Old Testament told the people what they wanted to hear, and for that reason, everyone liked them. When true prophets spoke God's words to the people, they were usually attacked instead of approved. When it comes to approval, only one person's approval is really necessary, that of God himself. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's approval on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.